he or she is the best football expert on the planet. I'm playing for pride now. And my pride's gone. We're very passionate people here. We're ready to come for the W, yeah? You these girls will smoke you, man. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Mirror Game Walkthrough. Once again, I'm delighted to be joined once again by some of my esteemed colleagues from Mirror Gaming. Uh, hello, Jasmine. Hello, Aaron. Hello, Scott. How are we all doing? Yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm glad to be back. I've missed uh, a couple of shows and you guys had some pretty intense debates that I wish I was a part of. So I'm glad to actually be here to give my, <laughs> give my opinions this week. Can't wait. Can't wait for that. Uh, Aaron, Scott, how are you both doing? You all right? Yeah, I think I can speak for both me and Scott when I say that Resident Evil 4 is the game of all time and it remains so. There's a little cheeky <laughs> glimpse for later on. But um, I'm, I'm glad that I've got Jasmine here to back me up on the whole physical PS5 game debate. Uh, this yeah, week. We'll, we'll be definitely diving into that. And Scott, thank you so much for joining us. I know, I know you're, I know you're busy, but uh, you'll be joining us for the first segment, which is looking at the Resident Four, Resident Evil Four remake and your review. Thank you so much for joining us. How, how are you, first of all? You all right? Yeah, good. I've, uh, I've escaped the mines again, so uh, hopefully I get some time on here before they take me back. And uh, <laughs> happy to talk Resident Evil Four, both original, new one movie maybe i'm all free at that far <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much scott appreciate that but we've got some really great topics for you today i'll just do a quick roundup we're going to be talking resident evil 4 remake uh which has got some really good reaction not least from mirror gaming who gave it a five out of five uh which is why scott's here to talk about it um we'll also talk about ea permanently pulling games from their store but not mirror's edge after a bit of a backtrack we'll be talking about whether we actually own games anymore what the deal with that is uh, we'll also be talking about the fortnite creative 2.0 and uefn launch which could be huge for uh, player-led games development so we'll be talking about that and we'll also be talking about the ubisoft ghostwriter tool which uses ai to write npc lines and help with dialogue so we'll be talking about that a bit later on is it a good thing is it a bad thing we'll be discussing that a bit later on but let's dive in to our first segment because we've got our special guest here today uh, scott who's going to be talking us through the resident evil 4 remake uh, as he said in his review um for mirror gaming of which he gave it five out of five stars resident evil 4 is often lauded as one of the greatest games ever made it was revolutionary at the time when it launched in 2005 and introduced mechanics that would change third person shooters forever scott obviously gave the game five out of five stars on mirror gaming saying that the series continues its hot streak with another fantastic remake scott what did you think of it give it give us all the juicy details so i was probably the most scared about Resident Evil 4 getting a remake. I think that one remake is amazing, two's remake is amazing, but four is something special. I don't know. Um, but somehow they've managed to completely knock it out of the park again. Um, I wouldn't say it's like a replacement for the original Resident Evil 4. I think that game is still amazing, but it's like a brilliant experience in that same kind of storyline and world that just stands on its own it's probably one of the best going to be one of the best games this year i probably shouldn't say that this early in march but uh it's just that good and hopefully this is they managed to salvage five somehow and make it as good as this and as good as the two remake but um yeah it's definitely my 
biggest recommendation of the year so far um and i think anyone should play it whether they've played the original or haven't yet you you say that um that leads us on to another nice thing we've got to talk about because aaron will be doing a playthrough tomorrow uh day one a day before it's released to um the the rest of the rest of the world on general release uh, aaron will be taking you through the the uh as many sections as you can get through really um so we'll be looking forward to that aaron um and I know you've been you've been messing around with it as well. What what are your thoughts uh, on the game? Yeah, not only messing around with it in advance of the the playthrough tomorrow. I guess we should call it the day zero playthrough, which would be a very Resident Evil title to give something. Um, but yeah, I actually finished the game uh, last night. Um, I rolled credits in advance of the playthrough tomorrow. And um, just to echo what Scott said, I think is a very very um, handsome remake. Is how I would put it. It looks absolutely beautiful capcom continue to put other publishers to shame when it comes to the way these um these remakes are handled and 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 look and the way they look that might not be entirely fair because at the beginning of the year we also had the dead space uh remake from ea and they did a really nice job with that but whereas the dead space remake was very um it was pretty much one for one i called it in my review for the mirror game i called it a director's cut because it felt like the exact same game with some new uh, points um slotted in um, whereas the Resident Evil 4 remake very much uh, remixes and reshuffles some of the most popular uh, set pieces in that game. And I think it does it with a good degree of care and respect for the original. And um, yeah, like I know Scott's already um, shifted the conversation to like, will Resident Evil 5 be the next remake? Because of the way this remake ends, if you played the original game, you know that this game, not to give too much away, ends in a similar position. They very strongly hint that Resident Evil 5 is where it's going to go next. But I I don't know if I entirely believe that. Because obviously, if if you're going to remake Resident Evil 5, those who played it, you're going to run into some serious, um, let's say, perception issues um, due to where it's located. But uh, for now, the Resident Evil 4 remake could have been a disaster. It's far from that. And um, I don't know if Scott's uh, noticed, um, obviously I read your review, Scott, really really enjoyed it and I agree with most of the points that you had to say. Um, but then there, there, there is a subset of reviews I've noticed that kind of go a bit further than what Scott said, that it doesn't outright replace the original and in some ways say that it's inferior. I don't agree with that, particularly because of how the island section towards the end is, is, is handled. Um, so yeah, I don't know if Scott's got any thoughts on uh, I, what, what, what I'm getting at is that when the Resident Evil 2 remake released, it seemed to be universal critical acclaim across the board. Whereas this one, it's doing absolutely phenomenally, but there is sort of like amongst reviewers out there, a, a degree of trepidation in terms of saying whether or not it's better than the original. So I, I think because Resident Evil 2 originally was that kind of PS1 uh, tank controls kind of fixed camera angles going into the Resident Evil 4 style. There's a lot of a... It's a different game entirely, whereas with Resident Evil 4 and Resident Evil 4, it is both over-the-shoulder first-person shooters. So it's a lot... The comparison's a lot easier to make for that game. I don't... The same way I don't think... I think Resident Evil 2 is still worth playing. I still think Resident Evil 4, the original, is still worth playing. I wouldn't necessarily say one is better than the other. I think someone who, unlike me, is not really inclined to playing kind of old janky games, they probably wouldn't enjoy the old Resident Evil 4 as much as this new one. But for someone who's, you know, I I still love just PS2 games and 
that kind of era of games. I still think Resident Evil 4, the original, I was going to say edges out, but even then, I don't know. I think both games are like fantastic, and it feels feels almost wrong to compare them, even though they are both the same game, for lack of a better term. Um, it really just comes down to you know people's preferences. I think this new version is a more than capable version of it. I think no one's going to be losing out on anything if they don't play the old version and instead play this one. But I still think people should play that original just for the significance it holds, I suppose. Yeah, can and I, I just think... chime in? Sorry, could I just chime in Sorry? with, with uh, what I feel is a dumb question because I'm not... I don't really like horror games that much, um, as you know, as we've talked about on this podcast before, uh, but I'm sure you, I'll get roped in at some point. Um, I wanted to kind of ask the question that I think probably people who aren't into into these games are thinking, and also with remakes as well. Can a remake ever be a game of the year? Because although, yes, they're updating the graphics and they're updating some of the mechanics and they're updating the game to be, to be more... Um, uh, you know, in tune with this generation of, of consoles and mechanics, the, the the basic story and the 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 lore is already there, which which some people feel like is the hard part for the the idea of a game. Um, can a remake ever be a game of the year? Because it's it, it's just I, I, I don't want to say just a remake because a lot of a lot of really good games are remakes. But just 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 thought I'd uh, I'd weigh in with my two cents there. What what are your thoughts on that, Scott? So. This is the most specific and annoying thing I ever do, but remakes have like different tiers almost. So something like The Last of Us Part One, which is you know, I think that counts as a remaster, but they remade the models, same with Metroid Prime remastered. I wouldn't consider those, but when something goes out of the way to like fully rebuild the experience, even if it is taking you know the plot beats from the original, I think that is where you kind of. Getting there, like Final Fantasy VII remake, Resident Evil Two, to go into movies. The Thing by John Carpenter is a remake, and you know that's. I mean, that probably didn't win any Oscars because of how the Oscars are. But you know, I think depending on how much you do with it, kind of is the signifier of that. Whereas it's something like I don't know. I didn't play Dead Space remake, so I couldn't say that's a hundred percent. But from my uh, knowledge, that is just the original game, kind of. Exact same plot beats, exact same storyline, exact same gameplay, or better gameplay, but like just kind of the same game but nicer graphics. I wouldn't consider something like that, but something like Resident Evil 4, where the story's being retold, there's new elements to the plot that make it better. Some of the characters get like better, um, better developed in this version, some of the scenes are jumbled about. They've gone through the effort. Like this is an entirely new game. It makes share the characters and the general story of the original, but um, like as a different game. And I think that's how you kind of justify it. I don't know. This is that's just one of my weirdly specific things. Yeah, I mean, if you look at what what happened with the GTA trilogy that was recently remastered and. Obviously, that um, that was the opposite of critical acclaim, really, in terms of how that was uh, how that was dealt with, about how they kind of refreshed the graphics and made it look even worse than the original in some ways. Um, are you saying sometimes it's harder to mess with a game that that could be, you know, looked upon as one of the greatest games of all time? 
That's the question to Aaron, if, if that wasn't clear. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I don't know. When you when you go set yourself the goal of remaking, like you said, what many people consider to be the greatest games of all time, that Jasmine should absolutely play, and Nathan, you should play too if you haven't already. And we will make it happen at some point. Mark my words. Mark my words, viewers. It will happen. Um, you're almost setting yourself up to up to fail. It won't. So I think. So I. <laughs> so I think the fact that Capcom have already at least like succeeded to a certain extent in maintaining the essence of the original because like scott said like this is a beloved game um for for non-resident evil fans just as much as resident evil fans it went on to reinvent the survival horror genre as well as the third person action game uh, with the over-the-shoulder perspective in general so i feel like capcom are in a place where they're showing things like this respect and if they if they treat such games with that high level of respect regardless of it's a remake or not i think it should be at least uh, in contention for for game of the year especially because you know as soon as the reviews for resident evil 4 hit not to keep going on about that like many people online were giving the debate and they noticed that the um i think the three highest rated games of the year or, or uh, three or four were remakes um dead space metroid prime remastered which scott also reviewed for us uh, and now resident evil 4 and i said it myself i was like i think the reason why people are so drawn to these types of games is because they respect your time and they're, they, you know, a lot of single player games these days don't have a habit of doing that. I think to something like Gotham Knights last year, where it's kind of like one massive grind fest. You know, we could have had a game like Arkham Knight, where it's a single player open world game that respects your time and is fun to play. Um, and it comes from that era. But Resident Evil 4, Dead Space and the like come from the era almost before that, where regardless of it's a remake or not, it's um, it's just concerned with giving you an absolutely uh, premier single player game experience um, that I don't think a lot of games are serving right now. So if you were to ask me personally whether or not the Resident Evil 4 remake will, you know, come come award season, will be worthy of a nomination. I think so. I think de- I, I didn't think that Dead Space remake could be topped because um, uh, but then, I, who you know, I never should have uh, casted any doubt towards Capcom because um, Resident Evil 4 is a great, great remake. Um, leading on from that, I actually was about to mention something like this, is that even though it's a remake and it's sort of like in speculation about whether or not it could be considered for like Game of the Year or other similar awards, it's kind of like, I think one thing that is so overlooked about remakes is that their sole purpose isn't just to sort of provide a great experience to people that know these old classics. Another thing is that it's meant to sort of like revive sort of like older um franchises that some people might not have ever played like for me resident evil is definitely way before my time i don't think i was even born when the first resident evil 4 came out which is so strange to say probably for you guys but um i'm pretty sure it came out in like the late 90s right that was 1998 was the original i think yeah well there you go it it was before i was even born so i think when i when i think about remakes especially considering i didn't play a lot of these old classics for me it's kind of like it feels like a fresh game and i think that's what a lot of people will view it as as we come into sort of this new generation of gamers um people will see it um as as a standalone like people won't actually refer to it as like oh yeah it's like the resident evil 4 remake people will now sort of think of it as its own game that's how i would see it anyway even other like remakes that have come out this year dead space never played that metroid prime sorry scott never played that you know like so for me i think they're more accessible to you than ever yeah yeah that's yeah so i think that's one thing that 
some people might not realize this that like yeah the remake is great yeah people who played the original resident evil 4 might think wow it's amazing when you compare the two but for a lot of people like myself it's it's like a whole it's like a brand new game I, i'm not gonna lie i probably would never have touched resident evil 4 like the original because i'm not really into horror games i don't really feel like i want to play like a an old game that literally predates me but now that it's been remade i'll probably you know Resident Even though Evil I'm really not into horror. Me. Let's just be clear about that. You're not that young, uh, Jasmine. I'm not going to let you get away with <laughs> you were that. Three years old when Resident Evil 4 came out. That is there you go. When I was a toddler. Terrifying. I'm not going to play yeah. a game when I, that came out when I was a toddler. <laughs> let's let's I... put you down for a Resident Evil stream then, Jasmine. Uh, yeah. in, in no, the, no, no, no. That's not what I meant. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Does Jasmine want to take my place tomorrow? She's no, 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 guys, to. wait, please. Yeah, let's do that. I mean, when the when we did the Warzone stream on Friday, if you if you haven't already seen that, go and check that out. We we uh, did a special St. Patrick's Day stream, really fun. But uh, at one point, you walked into a room and someone was there, and that was oh. you got so scared. So that was enough for imagine. me. That was enough yeah. for me. Literally, yeah. not even a jump scare at all. And still, you could see we did a highlights video, and Will decided to very nicely zoom in on me jumping, which was uh, a bit embarrassing. But I just, I horror is really, really, really not for me. So yeah, so we, we can we can have a stream. I do. I do want to clarify. I am also a massive wimp. I do not like horror. <laughs> Resident Evil is so campy and goofy that. Honestly, you'll be fine. It's like Resident Evil 4, especially, is just like a dumb B movie. Like, the most iconic part of that game is him doing a stupid one liner at the start of the game. You know, like it's it's like a B movie. It's not like it's actually scary. There's a bit. But it's still horror. I feel like this is a trap. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it, right? It's like, but I promise, I promise, Jasmine, it's not that scary when you get Resident into it and literally be screaming. Resident Evil 7 is scary. Resident Evil 2 remake is scary. Everything else is just good. I mean, actually, Resident Evil 1 is scary as well, but everything else is totally goofy. You'll be fine, just as long as you skip one of the parts in Resident Evil 8, because it's <laughs> the most terrifying thing I've ever played. But the rest of that game, completely goofy. Right up my alley. I don't I, believe you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's like Evil Dead 2 of games, you know? It's like... But different people have different like scales of what they find scary. Even you saying you're a wimp that your your level of wimp could be like sort of my max for horror you, you know but you deal with overwatch players and that's scarier than anything in red <laughs> games, <laughs> that's so. true that's true i mean i i i often jump at like adverts and stuff which is my my level no so, same uh, yeah yeah um we've we've had a we've had a few comments um not all related to our discussion uh, thank you so much for watching if you watch on youtube or facebook um if you've got any thoughts please uh, drop your thoughts into the to the comments and we'll uh and uh, we'll answer them or if you've got any thoughts or disagree with what we say please let us know and we'll we'll talk about them on the show but thank you for everyone who's, who's tuned in are you looking forward to resident evil 4 remake coming out this week please let us know and we can uh, shout out your comment uh scott has somehow commented uh as he was speaking he said bring goku to resi 4 uh yeah love that love that uh skyrift is also in the chat as well um regular on on our shows no way how much did you guys pay messy to feature on the podcast i'm not going to go into that reference you have to watch our last live stream because we we talked about that a bit um that's getting but, to your head a but, bit nathan isn't it <laughs> but thank you skyrift i really appreciate that there were some suggestions that i might look like a little messy and i will take that all day long so thank you very much skyrifter uh, and jasmine as well appreciate that uh <laughs> lauren is also in the chat uh, hi lauren thank you for watching uh, scott is terrible with horror 
exclamation mark. Uh, so there you go, Jasmine. It might not be too bad for you, but we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Scott, I just wanted to just come back to you and go back to the original, if you like. What made that? What made the original so innovative and highly thought of, in your opinion? What 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 was about it that, that made it so special? And I think what Nathan's asking there, Scott, is where's everybody going? Bingo. I have no idea what that reference is. <laughs> no, I don't is. know what that <laughs> is. Over so many people's heads <laughs> yeah. right now. Just just um, play Dragon Ball Z, Kakarot, you'll understand. It's, it's very deep. Similar um, similar experiences. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, think about Gears of War. Think about The Last of Us. Think about, you know, all these huge games that came out in the 360 and PS3 generation. They all copied Resident Evil 4's over-the-shoulder uh, aiming like that wasn't a thing before then or if it was it wasn't done you know as well um so like it was a complete 180 to what we'd had from third person shooters beforehand because before it was like i love the original max Payne, but it's like gta aiming you know you walk about and your character's like walking side to side and strafing and all that it's like yeah. kind of janky Resident Evil 4 was the first game to really kind of, I don't know, bring something new at the table, and it just worked. Um, and just, it set the scale of the series up. Like, the original three games, they were, I mean, the first one's just set in a mansion. The second one's just in a police station, almost, like, you know, but suddenly you're on this, like, globetrotting adventure to save the president's daughter, and it's, like, action movie quality on like a PS2 game, you know, like it's almost like Metal Gear Solid mixed with Resident Evil, almost like it feels very Metal Gear Solid in the way it tells its story and it kind of, it's got the codec calls and all that. So it took what was becoming the new trends at the time and it was really that game that kind of just nailed it for everyone. Um, I never played it at first, so I, even then I can't even talk about, oh, it was so impressive for me to play this at the time i played it after the fact but i think what's so interesting about that is even after the stuff like gears of war came out or uncharted and it like took what resident evil was doing i still think resident evil just feels right when doing it but then again i'm like i said before i'm more used to that kind of like jank than most i would say so there's a possibility that Jasmine will not like the original, even though I still think Jasmine should play the original because it's on everything. It's on Game Boy, probably. It's on, I want it yeah, on the record PS4. now that I will not be playing a horror game on stream. Can, ever. can I? Can I just say, like, we know that Jasmine's a big fan of the Nintendo Wii Reindeer, and hopefully Scott will agree with me that the the one of the best ways to play the original Resident Evil Four is actually on the Nintendo Wii. Because I'm not get, playing you... a horror game on the Nintendo Wii. <laughs> well, why not? Because that will make it, you know, far less intimidating for you, and and you, can, a, you actually get to target. The issue, the issue isn't the console being intimidating. It's not too scary for me to hold a Game Boy in my hands. The issue <laughs> is that the game is scary. It's not. Take that quote. It's not too being, scary for me to Playing on the Wii isn't like, going to help me get over the fear of being jump scared and having like monsters come out and eat my head or whatever happens in imagine, Resident Evil. Imagine how funny it'd be if you're holding a Wii remote in your hand, though. You couldn't be scared. You'd be like, this is too goofy to do it. You yeah. know, like, you'd be embarrassed if you get scared like that. 
So you'd be I fine. don't. I don't think that my brain works like that. Unfortunately, we'll get you one think. of those chainsaw controllers that they gave away with, uh, the original <laughs> for game. the GameCube. Yeah, it, it, yeah. the Nintendo Wii version for that original, just to speak to the original game, like Scott was doing there, like it, it kind of in a similar way that this, you know, the, the new remake trend makes these classic games accessible to a modern audience. The difference between the first three Resident Evil games and then Resident Evil Four was that it made the survival horror concept far less intimidating because you could actually you actually had a chance to fight back for once like ag- agreed you couldn't move and shoot at the same time and that felt a little bit weird even back then but then you know whereas before the fixed camera angles didn't really let you get to see you know where the what direction the enemies were coming from and it allowed capcom to be really really sneaky in terms of where they place their enemies and you know that that factored into part of the horror but for me the reason why resident evil 4 still stands apart uh, to this day even when compared to to the remake that we that we're receiving this week is because you have a chance to fight back you know, uh, you know what your chances are, and it's all about that inventory management as well as the action, and that's what keeps the the tension high. And I don't know about you, Scott. It was just like playing the remake recently. Um, you know, I was kind of like, even when compared to a lot of modern games, I felt so. This won't help Jasmine's argument, but I felt so pressured in every com- in every combat scenario. I was reloading my gun. I'm trying to get away from people. I'm trying to change, you know, the height between us because the, the, the enemies in this game will just constantly swarm you in that way. And not only that, but they'll have different weapons you need to consider. And especially when you get towards the later uh, half of the game, you know, when they start firing you with projectiles, suddenly you have a you know a whole different uh, it's a whole different ball game. But um, I know, not to distract the conversation uh, too much, but I know Jasmine's into her multiplayer games, and I will say that when the Resident Evil 3 remake came out, it launched alongside uh, an asymmetrical multiplayer game called Resident Evil Resistance, and me and friends had a whale of a time playing that game. It was pretty much like Dead by Daylight, but with Resident Evil hour, uh, Resident Evil characters. So if anybody on this stream right now ever wants to jump on that with me, uh, yeah, let me know. There's probably about that 15 games still playing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love Dead I love Dead by Daylight, so I think Dead so by Daylight's the most horror I'll get too. And even that for me, when I'm playing that with friends, I'm not allowed to have my microphone on because I scream too loud and everyone gets everyone's ears start breaking and they're like, Oh Jasmine, turn off your microphone. Like, I can't talk. But that's about as horror as I'll get and I actually really, really like that. That's really fun. So maybe that'll be my entry into Resident Evil will be Resident Evil Resistance. Maybe. I mean, we'll see. I will see. <laughs> Resident Evil 4 has got like a very good balance like you start off in that village section and you feel so powerless and then like five hours later when you're at the midway point through the game you're like blasting people's heads off with one bullet and you're like running up and kicking them in the face and doing a German suplex to them like they managed to get the kind of feeling of helplessness you would feel in a Resident Evil game and then follow it up with like an action game and I will say Resident Evil 4 is probably the only game ever to say it has like three absolute bangers under its name. Because the first Resident Evil 4 we got ended up as Devil May Cry. Then we got Resident Evil 4, and now we've got this. And all three of those are like all time clap. Leon's breaking in. Are you sure you're going to be all right, Scott? Because I don't know. You might, you might roll, dash roll his way in through the window. That's them trying to get me back into the mines. <laughs> They're coming through. Yeah. But, so, so, so Nathan, Sorry, you've got no interest in playing like Resident Evil 4. From everything you've seen so far, you've read Scott's review, it's just not up your alley at all? No, you know what? Listening to you two talk about it, uh, I'm, I'm up for it. Let's give it a go. Let's give it a playthrough. Yeah, really? Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm open to it. I mean, it'll be it'll be funny for everyone else. Uh, so, I, I, th- I feel content. like the Dead Space remake is a lot scarier than Resident Evil 4 remake. Because yeah, obviously, I've gone near that, yeah. 
yeah like I, I was when i back when i was reviewing that game at the beginning of the year sometimes i'd like load it up on my tv and i'm like squinting i'm like adjusting the brightness i'm like i can't even see what's going on here ea <laughs> yeah. what have you done like there comes a point where yeah it gets too scary yeah well uh we'll find out just how scary it is tomorrow on the uh the day one playthrough uh or the day zero playthrough uh aaron, as, as we could call it uh, uh aaron will be uh going through the different levels of the game and just showing you the game before it's officially released tomorrow which will be really really cool so make sure you check the mirror gaming uh youtube for that we'll be going live tomorrow uh aaron uh for that which will be really good tomorrow um, at 11 a.m be there 11 a.m sharp that's it gmt 11 a.m come join me yeah. with this horror adventure if you're too if you're too much of a wimp to play it yourself or you just want early <laughs> an early look at the game before it launches on the friday then that's the perfect place for you i'd say i feel that was a bit a bit of a dig at jasmine there but we'll, uh, we'll go well, over i can either confirm well, or deny. you also <laughs> said that you didn't want to play it why is everything got to do with get let's get jasmine's play it what about you nathan yeah. hmm? I'll, I'll play it i'll play it stick me in stick me in but uh, no, there you thank go. You. There's the content. Don't need me on. <laughs> Scott, thank you so much for joining us. I know I know you're busy uh, on the on the news beat, so thank you very much uh, for that. And you, uh, yeah, literally just as I said that, you put a comment. I have to go now. My planet needs me. Scott, really appreciate you uh, you coming on. Um, he's he's literally gone straight away. <laughs> so like, that's a, that, thanks, Scott. No goodbye. Said. Nothing yeah, to say. Just, just needed to get it out. Was, it was a, yeah, it was a joke. It was a <laughs> bit. It was a bit. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, no, really yeah. appreciate it. thanks scott appreciate thanks it thanks for having me i'll um hopefully be back soon to harass aaron with more of my <laughs> terrible opinions uh you can keep doing that in the comments you're always free you're always free <laughs> that okay. sounds good well, thanks scott appreciate it and thanks, thank guys. you everyone for, for watching as well really hope you uh you enjoyed our chat about resident evil 4 and uh and uh jasmine's chat about not wanting to play it as well um so but just give it a watch maybe tomorrow jasmine but then it spoils it you know that's the yeah, thing is that if i do it, come yeah. come down to playing it i don't want to spoil it by having seen it in advance i might watch like the first few little bits and then just then if i do feel like going for it then i'll stop so that way yeah. i have enough in the bank to actually yeah. like not have it spoiled yeah. i guess so maybe no. that's the way to go no, uh, I do want to watch it just so I can harass Aaron in the comments, though. That is typically the way with the Mirror Gaming team, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Harass me in the comments. But I, I will say, like, uh, during the stream tomorrow, because players have already had access to the opening, like, village portion of the game via the, the Chainsaw demo that was released. So we will be, I, you know, I say this depending on how well I get on with the enemies tomorrow. We will be trying to dash through our way past the demo section as quickly as possible. It should take about 20, 30 minutes max. Um, and then you're pretty good from then on. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. So, uh, yeah, I'll definitely tune in for that. Uh, we've got a few more comments. Skyrifter has noticed your new camera, Aaron, your new shiny camera. So thank you, Skyrifter, for, for Who do we have to that. thank for that? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Jasmine. A hardware expert. Uh, Jasmine. Um, so thank you. Thank you for noticing Skyrifter. Uh, just let us know if you've got any thoughts on what we spoke about. Really appreciate uh, any comments or anything. And as I said, we'll shout out as many as we can during the live show uh but let's go on to our next topic because uh i know we we kind of talked about this before kind of ties in what we spoke about before aaron uh, with matt as well um and i know jasmine was in the comments uh just trying yeah. to get her opinion across matt's as well insane so. take oh you were literally driving me up the wall one oh of several God. insane takes that matt had during last week's episode my god yeah, yeah i Keep couldn't tune on... in to the rest of it so yeah. 
yeah keep an eye on our tiktok channel for more of matt's insane takes because we will be posting a few of those oh, on, on our tiktok channel as well but uh, our next topic is that ea are permanently pulling games uh from their store so ea announced on tuesday that mirror's edge uh, Battlefield Bad Company 1 and Battlefield Bad Company 2 and Battlefield uh, 1943 will be permanently pulled from digital storefronts from April 28th of this year. EA later clarified that Mirror's Edge will not be removed uh, from sale and said that it was an error, um, which was nicely timed because there was a significant backlash after Mirror's Edge uh, was announced to be removed from the, from the store. So... Um, the fact that it was an error seems well timed for there to be an error in an official announcement, but uh, let's move 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 on from that. Um, EA called the move a sunsetting announcement, saying they're also preparing to shut down the game's online services in December of this year. Um, this comes after Nintendo announced it's completely shutting down both the digital store, both digital stores for the Wii U and the 3DS eShop, with players only able to buy games on them until March 27th, which is five days away. Um, after that day, everything on the Wii U and 3DS shop will be gone. Uh, so you will never be able to buy them again, which is uh, very sad. Just to clarify a few things, Battlefield, uh, sorry, Battlefield Bad Company 1 and 2 will still be playable offline uh, with the single-player campaigns, but you obviously won't be able to play in multiplayer. Uh, but the multiplayer-only Battlefield 1943 will just no longer be playable at all um, for anyone. So I think the discussion question here is, when a publisher makes a game, how long are they expected to support that game for? Because people have paid money for these games. If I just rattle off some of the release dates. So Battlefield uh, 1943 was released in June 2009. Battlefield Bad Company 1 was June 2008. And Bad Company 2 was March 2010. So we're, we're, looking, at, we're looking at around 12 to 15 years old, these games that, that are being shut down. How, how long People have bought these games with the intention of playing them playing them all, all different features in the game how long are publishers expected to support these games should it be forever should it be a set period of time what what, what are your thoughts i'll go to jasmine, jasmine. first yeah, yeah. Let, let's let jasmine unleash yeah <laughs> i think and i know that this probably isn't the popular opinion but i think it does make sense that these games eventually have to go offline and i think that given that they've been around for 12 to 15 years i think that they've that the sort of that ea have done their due diligence i think they've provided enough service for these games i think the thing is about having multiplayer games is that realistically there's only going to be a certain amount of time where there are going to be enough players to to sort of warrant them keeping the servers online you can't keep multiplayer games around forever it's just not going to happen and given that you know i'm sure the player base is dwindling it doesn't make sense for them to keep them online it makes sense for them to get rid of the servers and i think that is just the reality of the situation and it's something that is quite sad when it comes to especially multiplayer only games like battlefield 1943 where the whole game is literally just playing multiplayer that when these servers go offline it's as if you don't have the game anymore but um i think it's just it's just what has to happen it's just the lifespan of a game they can't keep multiplayer servers online forever and ever and why <laughs> but why just well it's going to cost them money that they probably don't want to keep spending if people are not really playing the game i think realistically a lot of people are probably upset about this happening even though they probably don't play the game it's just about sort of like the principle for some people, which does make sense. You know, it is sort of like, okay, 
if this happens, it sets a precedent within the sort of like um, gaming space that other companies will sort of follow suit and, and do something similar, which can eventually mean that your favorite game might go offline. But I think that realistically, like, they can't keep servers online forever and it doesn't make sense to keep servers online forever. It costs money, it's wasting resources, and they could probably put that into, I don't know, a big company like EA probably like don't need to save money, but if they can and then reinvest that into into other games and other projects, then why wouldn't they? I don't know. I don't know if that's a popular opinion or not. I, th- I think people are going to be upset that I've said that. But <laughs> Aaron, are that's you upset? just my thoughts. Are you upset? I'm upset. I'm so upset, guys. I've got nothing left. Um, no, I think, I think um, if you know, you know. But um, I, I, I think what Jasmine, I've broken Jasmine. It's um, it's two separate issues for me because the, the one part of it is that the offline component, the online component of these games, they have to be as uh, these companies tend to put it in very marketing speech, uh, be sunsetted because it, either the either the player count's still not there, so they can't afford to dedicate resources and time and, and technology and money ultimately to keep supporting um, the, the online servers. And I don't begrudge companies for doing that um, because obviously there's been previous examples in the past where server access has been given to the community and the community that are interested in keeping the online component of that game alive has been able to do so. Um, I'm not technologically minded enough, uh, as surprising as it seems, to to know exactly how that works, but uh, I know that there's people out there doing it. The separate issue is, and this is where EA shot itself in the foot and then tried to rip that bullet back out, is by removing access to these games entirely from its digital storefront, which in Mirror's Edge's case is particularly egregious because it's a single-player-only game. It's what many people consider to be a cult classic. It's not. It's never sold that well, but for artistic reasons, um, I think that's an important game that people continue to have access to. And it's just really weird that they would try and rip these four games specifically just completely from sale. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, but aside from Mirror's Edge, with Bad Company 1 and 2, two games that do have dedicated single-player campaigns, we know that I'm all about my single-player campaigns, Um, they're still going to be removed from sale so that anybody who's got an interest in experiencing these stories, Battlefield Bad Company 2 in particular, I know, is a a fan favourite, and many people would argue was the last time that this uh, series had a good story. I would argue, personally, that Battlefield 3 has a pretty good story, also has a pretty good single-player component. Um, But I think that's the main issue here, is that you're just removing the game from sale entirely. And maybe from EA's perspective, that's kind of like, well, we can't guarantee um, that this product ultimately will work as promised in the game description itself and when people have the expectations of, of buying the game. So I can see that that might be the way why they're trying to remove the games from sale entirely. But when it comes to Mirror's Edge... I don't think there's an ounce of me, uh, and as you put in your intro, Nathan, that believes that that was a mistake at all and that they just wanted to remove it entirely. Um, that that it would be particularly egregious and is more in line in, in terms of what um, Nintendo is being forced to do now with the 3DS and Wii U shop situation. So yeah, to, to summarize my thoughts, totally not against on, um, online servers for games being shut down because obviously it costs resources. But when it comes to single player only games or games with single player components, I think it's important that as part of history and for game pres- preservation in general, those games need to stick around and they still need to be made purchasable. Otherwise, you're just going to encourage piracy. And I think that's what um, Nintendo in particular are starting to see. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, Sky Sky Rifter touches on this in the comments as well. Um 
they said just make the game open source uh, like with Battlefield 2 it's now hosted by the community and it's free I think if I'm, I'm okay with them shutting the online multiplayer down because of the reasons that Jasmine said and the reasons that you said Aaron as well but if you're gonna do that the publisher is basically saying we don't care about this now we don't we're not bothered about it no one's playing it we're not going to support it fair enough make it open source give that source code to the community and let them do what they want with it because at that point if you're then saying you don't care about it at least if the people out there that do care about it if you make that available to the community then they can make their own thing they can they can manage it 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 in EA's case, if they gave it to the community, EA's relationship with that title would then just stop. They don't need to do anything. It, it doesn't. It, it doesn't take too much effort or time for EA to do that. So, I agree with your points, but I think if you are going to do that, you at least need to make it open source and just and just let let the community do what they want with it. Because there's so many games that have been sunsetted in recent months and years, and they've given the open source uh, code to the community, to, and they've created beautiful things with it. And you've seen the communities even grow because of the the cult and classicness of them, and and just that nostalgia element. So. While I agree with what you said, yeah, I think if they're going to do that, there's a, there's a definitely a line in the sand because if you just if you just cut it off, then and there's there's something as well that ties into what we spoke about uh, last week, Jasmine. I know you want to get involved with as well, but with these games, if you look at anything else, most things in life, if you if you buy something that you had ages ago, it's almost like a, a relic or um, or something that you you keep forever. With with games, it feels like the publishers have the power to take that away, and mm. that makes me very uncomfortable particularly in the case of nintendo here where mm-hmm. people will have physical copies of these games but there will be some games on the wii u and the 3ds eShop that will be gone forever and there's no no one will ever be able to play them again and yeah aaron you can <laughs> your console beautifully time there but there's people have worked on these games People have worked, put time and effort into working on these games. They've put hours of their life onto into developing these games. People have paid for these games as well. It just it, it, it something feels very wrong that you can get you can get those experiences taken away from you. Um, uh, the the ownership thing just sits very uncomfortably um, with me. Uh, Jasmine, something you got I just want clarified. So everything on the Wii U and 3DS eShop including around a thousand or so digital only titles are going to be gone so they're going from the eShop because the eShop is being shut down does that mean that people that have purchased them and already own them will no longer have access to them i don't think that's the case right so as i understand it i think you're not even going to, because the, the the connections to those servers aren't going to exist that those games will like disappear you definitely won't be able to purchase them but i believe you won't be able to download them either so it, it, only if they sit uh stored safely on your console or either like an SD card or, or some mm-hmm. other form of storage. So if you've already you purchased it and you've downloaded it and you have it on your console, you still have access to that game. That but if correct. you haven't downloaded it, you don't have access anymore. Okay. Um, yeah, and also if you lose the SD card in which your games are on. But that's the case with anything. If you have a DVD yeah. and you lose the disc, you've lost you've lost the movie. You don't then but, own yeah, the movie I anymore. Yeah, I that's but the did same, you guys the see... same with anything. Did you guys see earlier this week, there was a, a YouTuber called The Completionist who I watch from time to time, and he made an effort over the course of the year, because, you know, in fairness to Nintendo, they announced this was going to happen a year ago, mm-hmm. um, that he spent like a year, and I think it was around about $60,000 um, purchasing everything off of the 3DS and, and Wii U eShops, and that includes DLC as well. DLC, mm-hmm. even if it does if it's not listed as separate DLC on the store. So And now he's got them all stored on like, 
five SD cards, but it took him and two others like the better part of a year. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. What, but what only because of efforts like that do those yeah. games carry on. Yeah, but I this is the it... thing: is that like if a game has a community, nine times out of ten, it will still stick with that community, even when like the digital storefronts go down people really like playing a game and then they have it installed on their 3ds even if it doesn't have an active community now if it's something which oh yeah you know some someone hasn't touched their 3ds in in 10 years and they have it just left on there that that game is still going to be there if you ever return to your 3ds console the game is still going to be there it's downloaded that's that's i think that's one distinction that i want to make is that just because a digital storefront goes down or if a game is pulled from a digital storefront it doesn't then mean that that game is no longer sort of alive the game is still mm. there the only thing that's happening is that new people can't get into the game and new people can't access the game or if yeah. you haven't already had it downloaded which most of the time they give you you know a bit of a warning that okay you need to make sure like nintendo did make sure you have the games that you want in a in a safe place i don't think that this particular like case infringes on sort of these ownership issues that that we're talking about i think like some some situations in gaming definitely do it's definitely a thing in gaming that you buy especially for multiplayer games you buy a multiplayer only game and then servers go down and you've lost the game entirely what is there for your money now like you've literally spent this money or nothing but I don't think this particular like issue really infringes on that because realistically it's like it's the same as anything like you're saying, even if you if you download the game onto an SD card and you lose the SD card, it's the same as if you own a book and you leave it on the bus. You you now yeah. don't have ownership of that. But, but it's a but slippery the slope though, isn't it? Sorry, sorry, it's a slippery slope. this is the top of a slippery slope because if you mm-hmm. look at the way games are going now and the digital onlyness of, of consoles mm-hmm. and we talked about that last last week. Redfall, for example, an upcoming uh, single-player and, and multiplayer shooter is going to be... You're going to need an internet connection to play the single-player campaign. Mm-hmm. So if we look at that now, fine. That's fine. In 10 years' time, if if the developer decides to cut online support... Yeah. That is something it. that definitely is... Uh, that's what I mean when I say, like, with games, there are these ownership issues, definitely, yeah. and they're coming way more into the light now where developers are saying, you need an internet connection to play a campaign. That doesn't make yeah. sense to me. Yeah, I, I don't absolutely. think you should ever need uh, an internet connection to play a single-player campaign. I don't think that should ever be a thing because yeah. all that screams to me is eventually we're going to get rid of service because there's no way that a game is ever going to maintain service for a, an online game forever. Eventually, we're going to relinquish service, we're going to get rid of these servers, and then that's it, your game is going to be gone. It doesn't make sense to me that you'll need an internet connection for single-player campaigns, but I think up until this point, most games that have single-player campaigns haven't required that, and even when they do go offline, so like with Battlefield, for example, even when Bad Company 1 and 2 go offline, you can still play the single-player campaigns on them but if you you've can't already purchased and owned the game. That's the thing, but why take them? Why remove them from other people? Why not carve out the online component only and still have them listed for sale? And the truth of the fact of the matter is, is that these games were quite lucky enough that Battlefield, Bad Company One and Two, they exist. Uh, it's PS3 and 360 era these games, so you can bu- go out and buy the disc and play them in other ways. But if we keep moving towards this trajectory where everything is becoming digital only, and not even digital only stuff, but the fact that even though you might buy a physical disc anymore, the entirety of that game, as intended, does not exist on that disc. So let's say, you know, yeah, in 10, 20 years' time, even though I own, um, I don't know, the Demon Souls remake on PS5 on disc, whatever I put 
in my console isn't going to be the game as intended and that kind of just sucks to put it you know rather bluntly yeah i think the thing is though is that realistically when you are picking up a game that has a multiplayer component it is sort of like it's made more clear now i think definitely in more recent years more than previously that when you pick up a multiplayer game it will eventually go offline um oh, yeah. and if if it's like a aspect of a full game that you've purchased then you will still have the other sort of single player components for the most part until we've started seeing like online campaigns or whatever for the most part you'll still have access to the single player like aspect of that game and even though i know what you're saying about it you can't buy it anymore so it does kind of like hinder new people from being able to get into it or purchase it but this is the thing is that they've given us a warning they're not they're not saying we're removing it from the storefront and then removing it within the week they've given a over a month's warning so if people really do feel like okay do you know what in the future i might want to play it they can they can still go and pick it up nothing's stopping them right now from doing that they can still go and pick it up and then once it's removed i feel like they they kind of like in a sense there's no sort of like positive side to, to what they're doing because if they if they don't remove it people are going to complain that it's still on the storefront you're still paying full price for it or a cost for it but then you don't get full access to the game because obviously like there's meant to be these multiplayer components that you're not going to have anymore so people are going to complain and if they're removing it people are going to complain why is it no longer on the digital storefront so i think realistically here they just had to make a decision and stick with it and in my opinion it makes sense the decision that they've made but i know that that's not going to be the case for everyone so i'm not too sure i, I just think the major difference between movies and tv shows is that if i wanted to watch citizen kane right now i can go and find it somewhere it exists Whereas games, in 10 years' time, you're not going to be able to play Bad, Bad Company 1 unless you've got a PS3 or a 360 console, by which, by which point then, who knows what kind of condition those consoles will be in. It's, um, yeah, I don't know. But that's I, the case I, with I, a lot of games, right? Like, they're not... If games yeah, but that's aren't not, brought that's not to, like, newer generation consoles, then you can't play them. You have to have the older vintage consoles, even with... Yeah, the but you have to have, today. like, a DVD player if you want to... Do you know what I mean? You have to have yeah. a... Nintendo 64 to play 64 games. You have to have, yeah. um, you know, you could you could make that argument with anything. I think it's just about, yeah. I think in the comments, Connor O'Neill, thank you so much, Connor, for coming in. He says, why not just make the single player free? Leave, yeah. it, on the, leave it on the store. Make it free. What, what's, or what, or, or at understand. least make it free for the period up until you plan on taking it off. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I agree with you know, that, everybody, definitely. We're yeah. not making any money from this game anymore, so just have it and then don't complain. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I yeah. I think if they the thing is is that they're trying to like capitalize on the hype, right? They're trying to say it's going to be removed, so then people <laughs> panic and go and buy it. Yeah, that's what yeah. they're trying to do, right? And then reverse this is their the, decision. Maybe this is the problem yeah. with the 3DS and Wii U shop. It's like Nintendo knows that these are shutting down, and you've got individual publishers that are putting on like end of store sales or whatever it is. Aside yeah. from Nintendo itself, like Nintendo, why not just make everything fifty percent off? People would mm -hmm. flock to it, you know, more than mm -hmm. they have been yeah. already, I guess. What we're forgetting as well during this conversation is that, okay, you've got Redfall, which is the outstanding one that that is one of the only ones that doesn't need an internet connection for single player that will eventually obviously go offline. But a lot of big games now have for like day one updates. So if, if, if that game's not supported for any reason and you load up and it won't allow you to play, for example, if that game is broken without the day one update, you've got to play it as is. So it's effectively 
broken for people after that time and there's loads of guys we'll, we'll get into a period not maybe not in a year or two or five but in 10 years time there'll be so many titles that will be unplayable because of these issues and like like aaron says i think if you want to go and watch a really old movie now okay you have to go out and buy a dvd player or a vhs player or oh, you know god, what, i don't whatever. even know what one of those looks yeah, like yeah exactly yeah i was just <laughs> oh my god i feel old but, <laughs> but you can but there is a way to do it by making it impossible it just it just doesn't it doesn't feel it doesn't sit right with me that these 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 things are pieces of art these games that were made people have put their time their life their sweat blood and tears into these titles and it just feels wrong that they're taken away forever um and yet okay i know that if you can you've got these 5 days to buy, buy them or whatever but in in ten, five ten years time, if 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 you know we're talking about oh bad company one was such a good game like oh let's go and play it, there is no way to play it. But this this is why I am so adamant on keeping the physical disc space prominent in gaming. So this is why I'm so adamant because but now people are soon. complaining. People are complaining. Oh, it's yeah. removed from the digital storefront. No one would care if it was it was if it was it physical was disc. discs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one would care. No one would yeah. care at all if it came down to physical discs. If they said we're going to discontinue selling the physical discs of of Battlefield Bad Company One and Two, no one would bat an eye. People would just go out, buy the disc, and have the disc. It's just because yeah. it's removed from a digital space. Even though it's exactly the same thing, you download it and you have it in your computer forever. Whatever. You never know what's going to happen when you have it digitally as opposed to having a disc. And in the future, if it was discs, if you want to play it, like you're saying in 10 years time, do you know what? Oh, I really want to play this this old classic. <laughs> you have the disc, you can just use the disc. But mm -hmm. this is this is the thing. But we're we're moving into a space where, where it's being digital first is like it's so coming. important. Yep. Yeah. Coming, and I yeah. hate it. I hate it so much. Like, I, I feel weird saying it, but I, ugh, I can't. I hate it too, because in that specific example, like you're illustrating the point I was trying to make earlier that right now, the physical discs from the PS3 and 360 era, they're going to work fine. But from mm -hmm. PS4 onwards, the, the disc you put in your console is going to want an update in order to run properly, mm -hmm. single player mm -hmm. or otherwise. So at, at which point, I don't know, I guess PlayStation are obliged to keep the store running forever. I, I, I feel like PlayStation and Xbox have set themselves up slightly better than Nintendo have for digital preservation because it's all one thing. The, the, the Xbox store back during the 360 generation is still the same store that yeah. we kind of have today. Whereas yeah. the Nintendo 3DS and Wii U, I've always got the impression from Nintendo that they, they kind of really don't want to do online. They were sort of like dragged into it. Um, yeah, that's what I felt yeah. like as well. I felt like it was very, you could tell sort of like Nintendo has always been physical first. You know, like they always want to keep keep selling you stupid game cartridges <laughs> that taste like acid and whatever else. Yeah. And then it feels like their their online storefront is really like you know when you first buy a Nintendo 3DS. I remember this. I bought my 3DS, and my friend was like, "Oh yeah, you can go on the eShop and get games on there, so you don't have to like go go to the shop." Because obviously I was quite young, and they were like, "You don't have to wait for your mum to take you to the shop to buy the game. You can, if your mum says you can get it, you can buy it straight online." And on if the menu says. when you well you know i couldn't just buy the game um but when you open your 3ds sorry i keep hitting my microphone when you open your 3ds to actually get to the eShop, you have to scroll all the way to the end of the menu and yeah, i know that sounds well it's not like it's not like that big of a deal but it does show that it wasn't a priority for them pushing the the e-shop otherwise it would have been at the front 
it would have been front and center yeah, like it is yeah. when you turn on like your xbox or your playstation it's like right there you know like yeah. the shop online go and buy something <laughs> yeah and the i mean if you've ever tried to buy a game digitally the prices are obviously yeah. then set by the publisher and by uh by either xbox playstation or nintendo and it's Nintendo's, just ridiculous. Nintendo's eShop prices are more expensive than buying physical yeah. cartridges. By far. Like, but that, by when far. I went to... Yeah. The other two. It's the same thing. Yeah, is it? We'll I didn't, yeah, I didn't know that. I, yeah. don't, I don't have an Xbox. If I, if I went to buy Demon's Souls now on the PlayStation yeah. store, it's probably still like fifty nine ninety nine, Whereas I can go to Courage yeah. and get it for twenty four ninety nine. Doesn't really? make sense. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing across yeah. all platforms. I thought it was just Nintendo being like annoying and doing that. Because when I wanted to buy Mario Kart, I wanted I literally was thinking, okay, I'm gonna play Mario Kart right now because I had all my friends over and we were all playing Smash Bros. And I was like, Do you know what? I'm bored of Smash Bros. Let's play Mario Kart. Went on the eShop to buy it and it was like 50, 60 quid or whatever. Yeah. I was like, yeah. oh let me check Amazon. It was £35 pound on Amazon, but I had to wait till the next day. So yeah, I just yeah. but, but that oh, is a Demon smart Souls is British pounds sterling. <laughs> oh my god! I thought this on the PlayStation Store. Demon Souls is sixty nine ninety nine. It came out three years they ago. Can control, yeah, they can control the price of that game, which is that, that's why Souls. we've got loads of comments. I'm just going to go go through while you uh, have a Google and see what you can find. For you can buy it on prices. Amazon for the physical disc of Demon Souls PS five for forty quid right now. Bigger. probably even cheaper in, in other outlets that do trading of, of different discs and stuff yeah um but you get, connor's in the in the in the chat thank you so much yeah. for, for getting involved connie said game preservation versus movie tv preservation is two ends of the spectrum yeah it's exactly what we're talking about games should be treated like movies and, and tv in my opinion uh, connor also said you can also download old films with little risk of them never uh, being removed forever yeah exactly that's what that what we're saying if you look at i feel like games are going the way that music is because I remember a, a few days ago, a, a few years ago, there was something with uh, the Apple uh, iTunes thing where it was there was a particular artist where even if you bought the artist's songs on the uh, the iTunes store, if you paid money for them, because this artist said they didn't want to appear on the iTunes store anymore, they were removed from your library, even though you paid money for them. And I just feel like there's so many different, and obviously with the streaming services and stuff and. Just the mm-hmm. way that all works, it just yeah. it's just incredibly, incredibly murky. Aaron, I saw you um, shaking your head at that. I don't know because I know you're a musician. Um, well, no, I was that, shaking. Is, do you feel that? Yeah, I was shaking my head in agreement with you. Like, and this, you're gonna make me say it. It comes back to the <laughs> whole on, Xbox Game Pass, Game Pass yeah. thing. Again. Here we go. Here well, we go. I will admit, I will admit, before people jump on Aaron for ding, bringing ding, this up ding, again, ding, ding. I was just about to talk about that too. If if you wouldn't have brought it up, I would have brought it up. So don't worry, you're not you're okay. not alone this time. Thank you. I Let was me, just about I've to speak my, about that. I've used my one Xbox Game Pass coin this this conversation. Yeah, because like you know, Steve, like, what am I trying to say here? Yeah, musicians don't He's do rattled. well off of music streams. <laughs> I really yeah. am rattled. And like, <laughs> I'd hate to see games going that way because games are worth paying for. And whether or not yeah. you're going down the Xbox Game Pass model of a subscription or you're selling games piecemeal via Steam, I have to say, like, we're, we're heading towards the digital future. And if we have to go down, there's a fork in the road. One is Steam and one is Xbox Game Pass. And I think in that scenario, the best one is Steam because they do have the deep sales on all the major games, even when compared to the PlayStation and Xbox stuff. And, you know... I, I think it's very rare that publishers seem to um, complain about the cut they get on Steam, whereas Xbox Game Pass, you know something shady is going on there because they are NDA'd out the wazoo about what they can say about it. 
I've interviewed like developers mm -hmm. in the past and stuff like, oh, will this appear on Xbox Game Pass? What's the arrangement there? Zoop, not allowed to say. Yeah. And I know what it is. Yeah. Well, I don't know what it is, but I imagine they're paid a big chunk of money up front. They get the exposure and then it's based on playtime. Just similar to how yep. musicians on Spotify and Amazon um, are based, like based on like on you know streams, how many minutes yeah. listen yeah. to yeah. yeah. So, so that's my only conversation there. If we've got yeah. to pick one, go Steam. But yeah, I think yeah. the only issue with it though, and this is the same sort of debate with with music as well, is that having these platforms like Xbox Game Pass or like Spotify or Apple Music, for example, make things so much more accessible for people, which is like. I think like such a big positive if I had Xbox Game Pass like something like that growing up I think I would have probably played a lot more of these games that you guys talk about that I can then get involved in the conversation with because for me and a lot of people when you're younger money is a massive barrier to getting into gaming like consoles are expensive having to like sit down and convince my mum to get me some a console for Christmas or something and then she'll say no it's for Christmas and your birthday because they're expensive they're hundreds of pounds and then having to tell her that she needs to buy me games as well. Blimey, God. Blimey. I, I, don't, I don't think I could this convince like, her, I'm cool, saying. blimey. Me, me and Nathan are of the age where your mum bought you the PS2, the PS2 yeah. games, a second controller if need be. You'd get home, play the game, no memory card, can't save. Mum, I need a memory yeah. card. <laughs> what? You yeah, need absolutely. something else again? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. that's the case. Uh, Rami's in the comments. Thank you so much for, for being involved, Rami. He said, the, san the saddest thing about everything going digital is we're going to lose the magic of holding physical copies of your beloved product. Yeah, 100%, it just, yeah. It just ties in with everything we've said. And I think that's that's the, the, the sad thing about it and what we're talking about here is that if you bought... Um, if you bought Battlefield 1943 and you've got the disc for it, that disc does nothing now. It's a p it's just a piece of of whatever it's made, a piece of plastic. Like memorabilia, um, I guess now. But, but that's the thing you, you don't want to spend yeah. like forty, fifty quid on memorabilia. I know, but but it's important that you. It's important that if you pay money for something, you own it forever. That should yeah. be a thing. Um, yeah. Uh, trying to concentrate with <laughs> Sorry. Uh, flipping her case and no, it's alright um, if you buy something you should be that should be yours forever if you pay money for it if the if the initial contracts the, the contract that you go into and you buy a product is you go into a shop say it's a piece of clothing for example let's be as basic mm -hmm. as possible you hand over money for that piece of clothing they hand it to you and the mm -hmm. unwritten contract is that piece of clothing is yours we're never going to come and take it go into your house and take it away from you that is yours to do what you want with you can wear it you can recycle it you can give it to someone else fine with games and music as well and I know Aaron you'll feel this as well it just feels wrong that that is taken that is being taken away from us, and it feels like we're going so digital that 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 physical element of owning things we could mm -hmm. conceivably be be living in a in a universe where in five to ten years time we'd never actually own anything. Well, if you buy a game digitally, it can get taken away from you. That 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 is that is. Let me blow your mind now, Nathan. This Go this on. here disc that I that I've flashed at you that I lovingly Resistance Three, by the way, needed yeah. more love. This was a really good PlayStation Three game. That's where I got it. Yeah. It's still in its wrapping. It's an American copy. My good friend Zeon of Nintendo Life Fame, if there's any Nintendo heads in there, brought this over from the US because he knew I love it so much. But so so this oh. physical game, I don't actually own it. Like I own access to it via physical disc, but you guys will be both aware that all those terms and conditions at the top mm -hmm. it's like you don't actually own this game you own access yeah. to it you own the right to yeah. 
digitally, you know, play it. So, but then having something to hold in your hands compared to not is a totally different ball game. So that that's the point we're making here. We're not under, under any assumption that we actually own the games we play, even in physical form. It's just nice to, you know, be able to play it whenever we can. Yeah, absolutely. And Lewis, uh, our FIFA content creator, uh, Lewis, hi, hi, Lewis. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. He said, same with film. I used to love getting collectible DVDs with bonuses and cool designs. I know Nathan has some collectible Marvel DVDs, which is much better than download uh, downloading online. Yeah, exactly. That is the case. And I think with Marvel's it's a bit of a different thing because Disney Plus will probably have the Marvel stuff forever mm. unless they sell the Marvel business and then it will go to Netflix or Amazon or something. Yeah. So if you're... If you think about it this way, right? If you're subscribed to Disney Plus for Marvel films, right? Mm-hmm. And then the, all the Marvel films get removed at a moment's notice and it goes to the Amazon Prime video. You have to subscribe to a new service to get that. So you're never actually owning that, even though you subscribe to that service, like Game Pass, for example. You're never only actually, you're it's essentially it. loaning, you're essentially loaning that content until they decided to take it away from you. Um, yeah. I don't which know is if, sad if that, I, I get that it's sad, but for me, I don't <laughs> know if it really like angst me that much. I don't know if I'm really faced Well, do you have that? to pay more to, to buy, to get some, to, so you're paying I money. I just won't watch it. They it's moved basically... Modern Family off of Netflix and they moved it yeah. to Disney Plus. Yeah, it's I've on Disney Plus it still, still waiting for that final season. But Nathan, <laughs> I will say, like, so Disney, they, they're in a bit of upheaval at the moment. I don't know if yeah, anyone's paid attention or whatever, but Bob Weiger has just come back in. And in one of like the official statements to staff, he looked at the whole Disney Plus thing. I was like, oh, this thing doesn't actually make money. Why are we spending so much mm. money creating content for it? And then he actually name checks in one of the paragraphs. I only skimmed it to be fair. Um, like, oh, we need to revisit like our physical uh, release model again. Because guess what? That actually made money. Like, mm. it might not be like, yeah. you know, millions of pounds, but, you know, it's something. Yeah, so the fact absolutely. that Disney, one of the biggest companies on the planet, are saying, hey, physical media might not all be bad. But this is the thing about like subscriptions and stuff. What has been the Netflix model anyway, and the Spotify model is they start at like a loss, right? They start really cheap, so people people become reliant on them. And I think this will probably be the case with Game Pass as well. People will become reliant on them. People will become so used to having access to a wide library of games by paying one subscription fee every single month that they will never want to buy a game again. It will just like physically repulse them the thought of spending triple what they're spending once a month to get a game right and then as soon as these people become so reliant on it that they're not touching platforms like steam anymore and all of their favorite games are on there they'll hike up the prices which is what netflix did they like doubled tripled the prices from from how cheap netflix was when it first came out and now i can't do anything about it i have to keep paying for netflix because where else am i going to watch everything else I haven't accumulated like a massive library of, of content over the years because I've just always used Netflix. And now I just mm. feel like if I don't have Netflix anymore, I can't watch most of my favorite TV shows and I don't want to go out and spend hundreds of pounds buying DVDs or Blu-rays or even digital copies of, of this content when I can just stream it on Netflix and it yeah. costs a bit more, but I'll just pay it. And I think we that's are... what most people will think. We are so far removed from the EA story by this point. I know. I'm <laughs> talking with like-minded just, people. Yeah. One one final point, Aaron. You talked about how Disney said they're not making any money. Obviously, they're a huge company. They make millions, if not billions, every year. And if, if they're saying that Disney Plus doesn't make money, if we look further down to Xbox Game Pass, for example, or something mm-hmm. like that, and or, or someone smaller on a subscription service. What about Humble who, Bundle? Who, if they're Does that not count making, as a subscription? 
I'm I'm not I'm not sure, but if, if okay. they're not making any money, what what's happening to the people that are developing these things that the, the hoster is not making any money on? Are, are well, they getting paid? That's what the that's what the other issue this, is. This is the thing. Well, just like they can't say. Just like Netflix before it, Microsoft has the capital right now to inject the losses to try and yes. force Sony and Nintendo out of the market. Yes. And then when people complain that PlayStation Plus isn't very good or Extra and Premium aren't as good as Xbox Game Pass, I'm like, you're right. But guess what? Games like God of War, Ragnarok, and Horizon Zero Dawn, they're a heck of a lot better than anything Xbox has released since the Series X generation started. And you can take that to the bank. I'm making some enemies <laughs> on this podcast, guys. And like, honestly, like I've, I've written, I want to say like three or four features for the for the Mirror Gaming about like this Xbox Game Pass issue because it keeps coming up as part of the CMA yeah. legislation. Yeah. Um, but what Netflix did was that it fooled everybody. Um, when that it was on the stock market, everybody invested in it because they're like, these guys must be making me money. They must be making money. And then everybody built up their own rival streaming platforms. Because the fact of the matter is, is that companies like Sony, um, who else have you got? Paramount and and even like um, uh, who who were we just mentioning? Disney. They could make a lot more money licensing their content to Netflix because Netflix are willing to pay them money mm-hmm. for not a lot but now they're caught in this awkward position where they have to generate original content in order to yeah. keep coming back unless you've oh. got a really popular series like modern family the office or friends that are just going to stay popular infinitely all of time but anyway guys we're all just um hamsters uh, wheeling ourselves on the com- content wheel anyway <laughs> so we're gonna have chips in our heads and we're gonna play games that uh, that way in the near future me and Nathan will be gone, but Jasmine will still be there. Remember the <laughs> yeah. 3DS eShop? Yeah, yeah. That's a sad thought to end this. Um, you say that I'm there. like, okay. you say that like I'm like 60 years younger than you guys. It feels like that sometimes. It does well, feel like that and, sometimes. When me and Nathan are on our deathbed, not to go too bleak or whatever, and you, you say, have you got one final request? <laughs> wow. Have you got going? one final request, uh, Aaron and Nathan? And I'll say, yeah, play Mario Kart 7 on the 3DS. Oh, wait, you can't. And then I'll be gone yeah. and be sad there you go there you go yeah impossible uh lewis also makes a good point uh like daredevil luke cage they were on netflix i'm pretty sure they were netflix series but they've now gone to disney plus and off netflix so mm-hmm. yeah that's exactly what we we're talking about um but I, f- I feel like we've covered that topic quite comprehensively and uh i just had we'll... a lot to say about game ownership <laughs> yeah well we yeah it, it was a great discussion uh producer will i'm sorry you'll have to probably edit that into a discussion so sorry <laughs> for that um yeah, let's move on to our next topic because i'm not sorry do you like that i'm not sorry to talk about the fortnite creative 2.0 and uh, unreal editor for fortnite which will be releasing today the word is the word is that will be released over the next a couple of maybe even within the next half an hour or so which is the word on the street um after a series of delays for its original targeted release in december 2022 fortnite creative 2.0 is finally nearly here for pc players only though uh, for the moment so the Unreal Editor for Fortnite is a, a dedicated p- creative program uh, that's an add-on to Fortnite. It's like a, a, a separate uh, PC program that you can download. Uh, what this this gives players access to loads of creative tools in terms of um, game scripts and and games development, and you can import uh, assets and animations from Maya 3D Blender. You can uh, configure them within that. You can create your own worlds. Create your there's literally infinite possibilities for for this program um and it's it's essentially epic are essentially handing gamers the key to games development essentially um which is really interesting similar and also we talk about the 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 way the creative economy works within fortnite as well they're changing that up a little bit in terms of it's similar to how roblox plays its creators um what's going to happen now is that uh they'll 
they'll be the creators will be paid based on player engagement in their own maps um rather than the support creator device that they had before we had to put like a, a creator's id in when you use a particular map so if you if so for example if you create a really good map and loads of people play it you could become uh essentially you can make money off 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 that map essentially so fortnite essentially handing the keys over to the player base and saying you know create what you want to create in this amazing unreal engine 5 which you know how good it is um this seems like a good thing doesn't it the thing that this reminds me of is, I don't know if you guys will be too familiar with it, is Roblox. Yes. So in Roblox, they have um, exactly the same thing. Anyone yeah. can make a map. Anyone can yeah. create a game. Well, it's not a map. It's, it's like a game mode in Roblox, isn't it? Anyone can do that. And then if you... The difference is is that I think you have to promote microtransactions in your Roblox game in order to make more profit off of it because the more microtransactions that occur within your game mode the the like you get like a percentage of the revenue but they also do pay you just based on sort of like gameplay hours and stuff like that and roblox is one of the most successful games at the minute um i don't want to say popular but successful in terms of like keeping their their player base sort of engaged all the time and keeping their developers well, not their developers, but now their community developers paid well and happy. And um, one thing I wrote down before we started, because I wanted to bring to you guys' attention, because I find it insane. The most popular game on Roblox is a game called Adopt Me, and it earns roughly $60 million a year. And it is literally just a Roblox game. And they earn that much off of it. Do you guys think that Fortnite is going to be like that? That's what I'm saying, right? (laughs) Maybe maybe now is my chance to go in and become a game dev on Fortnite Creative 2.0. Maybe this is it. Maybe in six months' time I'm going to be handing in my notice because I'm going to be some sick Fortnite creator. Before Jasmine hands in her notice, though, can I ask a question? (laughs) um, (laughs) If you separate to the end of the podcast, that'd be good. Um, Do we think that... (laughs) Fortnite have done this because I know they've had a creative mode sort sort of like available before. Is it as a, di- a direct result of the Roblox stuff that they've kind of like le- leapt in fully? Because that's kind of like what happened when oh PUBG was a battle royale and it was really successful, and then Fortnite kind of ate that, and now nobody talks about yeah. it. So are we seeing like a similar thing happen here with Roblox? I think, I think so. it, more people will play the game. That's yeah essentially what, what I it think boils down that's to. the thing is more that, like, people playing Fortnite. more people that's insane know, right know, but that's that's the truth is that they'll make all of these different game modes and it will attract so many different people especially because same thing as roblox the player base of these games are really young yeah so i feel like they always are looking for different game modes to keep themselves engaged they get bored of things quickly their short attention spans and they want to sort of look and see different things going on so having different mini games i guess they'd be in fortnite now is yeah. is i think get definitely going to draw so many more people to the game and then even if you get bored of the mini games you still just jump back into battle royale like normal yeah and i know we talked about the being good for players but let's let's be fair it's also good for brands because they can create their own worlds as well like, yeah like scott says in the comments um, he talks about, I'm pretty sure the Sonic devs made the official Sonic game in Roblox. So yep. We could see something like Fortnite. I know for a fact that in Roblox, um, there's fashion houses. There's, yep. I know Nike has got their own like experience, they call it, in Roblox, where people can go visit. There's so many of these these brands that can get involved. And it just feels like Epic Games have seen this as an opportunity to, to get mm-hmm. into. And um, 
yeah, it, it'll be good for, for the players uh, and the brands as well. But before we go in, into it any deeper, I'm not sure if we've got anything else to talk about with, with Fortnite or the uh, the uh, Unreal Editor for Fortnite. Uh, but Scott, even, you know, after just uh, being on the podcast, uh, being busy and, and also uh, dropping comments into the live chat as well, um, he's just broke some breaking news. Uh, so we've got some breaking news for, for you officially here, um, which is that I'm just going to share my screen. Uh, Counter-Strike 2 release date has been confirmed in a brand new gameplay video. So the newest version of Counter-Strike has officially been re revealed after a series of leaks. Um, Valve has officially announced its overall of CSGO for the Source 2 engine with the brand new moniker Counter-Strike 2. Uh, so when will it be coming out? The summer date is... Uh, oh, I've just skipped it. The game will be arriving summer 2023. Uh, which is quite soon, actually. Um, sorry about the adverts, talk about, everyone. Um, talk about reviving legacy games. God, I, I honestly don't think that CS:GO has had um, has, has had a big player base in a really long time now. Like, it's still popular. I will say it's not completely died out, but it's nowhere near as big as it was in its peak. And I, I think honestly, this will do it. I genuinely think this will do it. I think this will bring CS:GO back. People were freaking out when they changed their Twitter banner. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. That's what it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. but I, I've not, obviously I've never played CS:GO or hold my hands up. Gary's mod. Is that something to do with it? No. That's something no. else. No. Oh, <laughs> no. Uh, Scott, sorry, Scott. Scott's just in the comments. He's a very good point. It was the most played game on Steam yesterday. Um, so I've just wow. had a look, and in the last thirty days, they've had eight hundred seventeen thousand average players. What? Uh, People still a, play CS:GO. Yeah. Peak players yeah. are one point four million people playing the game at any one time um so this is on steamcharts.com uh, it's currently the top game by active players so the current it has, players it has made a resurgence recently yeah. in the past few months there were rumors from the beginning of this month already about csgo 2 coming out and it yeah. definitely has made a resurgence i will say because when i yeah. play it now i don't have to wait as long to get into a game anywhere near as yeah. long as i did literally even three or four months ago it yeah. has it has made a big resurgence so, recently. Yeah. So yeah. what we're saying is that if any, if there's any game out there capable of eating Fortnite's lunch, CS:GO mm -hmm. 2 might. I be the genuinely one to do think it. it will be because right now, FPS games are really taking a hit. Yes, People Warzone 2. Yes. Warzone 2. Apex Fortnite, Legends. Fortnite is an FPS, but even that, people are starting to get a bit bored of it. Valorant, yeah. Overwatch 2, Paladins, Paladins. <laughs> Who else Team is playing Fortress Paladins with me? Like all of yeah. these games have taken a hit recently. People are getting bored of them, yeah. and I think just just generally across most of these games, um, people are getting fed up with development teams. The games yeah. being really buggy. That was definitely the case with with Warzone. The games being unbalanced, which has been the case with Overwatch Two, and Valorant. People are looking for something good, and the thing is about CS:GO is that I can say as much as I dislike that game. I can say if they bring out a CSGO 2 and it follows in the footsteps of CSGO, it will be good. Because that was the well, thing Jasmine, about CSGO. Good news, because they are. And they've just announced yeah, it. it. So <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but I mean, if they, if they follow in the same footsteps, if they yeah. do the same things, if they sort of bring bring those elements that were so successful for the original CSGO into yeah. CSGO 2, which is what Overwatch didn't do. You know, they yeah. kept all of the, the worst parts of Overwatch and put it into a new game. Well, thanks, Blizzard. That was great. Can if I just say, they this is the most like... animated I've seen Jasmine. And, and she was talking about box ownership and game ownership earlier as well. Amazing. But yeah. I genuinely think that... This will lead the FPS market once it comes out. 
And I think that this will be sort of, you know, you get the staple game that other games start to copy, you know, like PUBG and Battle Royales. Yeah, I think this will be that game for FPSs for the next couple of years if they do it well enough. And I hate that, to be honest with you. <laughs> because because I really I really just like CSGO. I I like just the graphics and the general vibe of what the game is, which is a big reason why I didn't like but it's old. Call of Duty or Warzone. It's old, though. Yeah, it's I know, old. but I want all I want is bright colours. Is that like too much to ask for? I just want a big green floor, right? Like that, big grass. That was what Scott. was funny about watching the Warzone stream last week. You were kind of like, look how grey everything is when you were dropping. Yeah, yeah because it's, like, it's so ugly. It. It's yeah. so, not, so ugly. Have you not heard of GeForce Experience filters? No? Never use them? <laughs> I always, I, but, I, they, but they're not going to make your, gray, your game big and green and colourful. They and do. They're not gonna... Vibrance up to no, 100. No, 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 Scott, no, no, no. Scott's dad is not going to be dropping in Warzone 2. Thanks <laughs> to GeForce no. now, I thought it was uh, Scott, just because I know you're in the comments, will we get vivid colours? Can you please just confirm that for yeah. us uh, if, you, if you're still around? Uh, but ju- just to talk about CSGO, obviously it's a very old game, Jasmine, which is why mm-hmm. they're probably... Thought, you know, if it's about time to release CSGO, <laughs> yeah. um, if we it's just look at the, yeah, if we look at the current players uh, of 991,000 people over the last 30 days, so nearly a million players. Mm-hmm. This is on uh, Steam only, Steam charts. Mm-hmm. The Elder Rings peak ever is 950,000, Cyberpunk's peak ever is 830,000, Apex Legends peak ever is 600,000. This is a I don't know that Apex game. Legends is, is a hard one to beat. I'm sorry to say. Okay, I'm, so what, I'm just trying to give some context. <laughs> yeah. How many people how play Fortnite daily? Like, is it millions, No, you right? can't compare to Fortnite. Fortnite is in its own league. Fortnite, well, yeah, no one will ever touch yourselves. it. <laughs> I think the thing is about Fortnite is as soon as you compare a game to Fortnite, it feels like every other game is already unimpressive. Like, yeah. So I think maybe more but then you, a better point of comparison is like Valorant or something because that's actually really similar. But you were but just even making that, the argument yeah. that interest in Fortnite is waning. So I'd be interested to see, like, if... Because you have to imagine when, when CSGO 2 comes out, mm. some of the Fortnite audience are going to migrate over and at least check it out, even if it ends yeah. up being temporary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I it's think this the... is the thing. Yeah. Will they, if it's if it's ugly, look in. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm are you hearing saying. this, Valve? Okay, they've no. already got a they've already got a player base, so they've already gone it. They've already got like a, a set amount of players anywhere they're gonna go to CS:GO. To it. But just on your point about the being a hole for FPS games, I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. And I think if you look at the people that are making their own games, if you look at content creators like Doctor Disrespect, for example, making Dead Drop his own FPS game, Shroud has announced recently he's making his own game. There's, there's, there's a hot worst time to announce your new FPS game as well, soon as CS:GO two is announced. That's true. Worst time. <laughs> if you look at the, the, those type of people as streamers, what are they playing? Warzone two is dead. Apex Legends is pretty dead. Valorant not Paladins as popular as them. Paladins is dead. Uh, PUBG. Are you going to be playing PUBG? Are you going to be playing CS:GO? What do they play? What what is what is coming out FPS wise that these content creators play? CS:GO two has a huge opportunity mm-hmm, that players mm-hmm. can go. CS:GO two's out. Whoa, make a big deal out of it. Start yeah. streaming it. 
And that, that's a brand new game. We haven't had, I don't yeah. feel like, since Warzone 2, we haven't had a massive FPS game. And it's been so but, slow, the trickle out of these these games. Mm-hmm. But Nathan, are you forgetting the five or six battle royales that Ubisoft has announced and shut down in the time since Warzone 2 came out? We've got X Deviant, we've got the other one, Hyperscape. The other one. <laughs> but I mean, who's playing them? Well, nobody. That's why they keep getting shut down. So maybe right, there's something exactly. to it. Exactly. Yeah. So I think, yes, I'm just go. saying, what's the most successful game of all time? Shooting game. Fortnite. Fortnite, right? Resistance free. And what's Fortnite? Yes. No, listen. Fortnite. <laughs> and what what what's Fortnite got? Bright colours. I'm just saying. Uh, bright colours. Yeah. Bring bright colours to CSGO and I will be the entire player base, I promise you. Even when it's from shut down the servers, I'll be there. I'll be if if CSGO has one fan, it's me. If CSGO has no fans, I'm dead. Well, on that point, like I, the the stuff I know about online multiplayer shooters wouldn't fit the pack back of a fifty pence piece. But like, to your point about like we, we were just talking now about the Fortnite editor coming in and that Roblox has had great success by letting other people create games within it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but CS:GO, like Gary's mod, what I was referencing earlier, that like be- because it's primarily PC based, like the modding community there are constantly going like you know yeah busters. yeah so yeah well, surely that's yeah. an advantage that CS:GO two will have right from the very get go. Yeah, from the very CSGO. CSGO. Yeah, CSGO was a Half Life was a mod of Half Life Two. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's how it started. So, I mean, it wasn't even its own game to begin with. Exactly. Yeah. So, so to have the success it's had, and and also, I mean, we talk about FPS a lot on uh, Slack, Jasmine. Talk Mm -hmm. about a lot about FPS and and how that affects your game and things. CSGO because it's so old, it's it's almost the ultimate esports title because no matter what you play, you're going to get high Mm -hmm. frames. No matter what you're playing on, which gives you obviously an advantage over. You don't have to have the latest equipment, the best PC, in order to to have higher frames. Which if you have low frames, they'll hinder your performance. So you don't have to be worried about your equipment holding you back. Yeah, exactly. So there's a balance there between putting all the bright colors in and making it graphically powerful because if you do that that's going to ruin the what csgo was so famous for they can keep it ugly looking if they want to make the characters still have like three toes that's fine as long (laughs) as those three toes are bright green that's what i'm saying well i I could i could make it just get your vibrance filter and just pop it to 100 and then you'll be you'll be fine um i can i could show you how to do that uh download geforce experience We'll, uh, we'll We'll no, GeForce experience um, just don't do it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom, Tom uh, is in the in the uh, chat as well. Tom Lynch, really appreciate you tuning in, mate. Uh, he says Warzone Two is down bad. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame, but it is. Um, maybe people are getting tired of BRs as well. He talked about. I mean, yes, but Fortnite. I am, and I don't. Yeah, play yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, Skyrifter says uh, CS uh, is better than any other comp shooter. See you, see a Valorant. Yeah, I mean, CSGO yeah, I think is... CS:GO two will kill Valorant. Valorant yeah. so has it... already been dwindling. It will, yeah. it will murder it because it's it the might same. Kill anything. If they keep the same style, because it's the same thing, like planting the bomb or spike or whatever, like five v five planting a yeah. bomb, terrorist, anti-terrorist. Yeah, and that's exactly what Valorant is. It's exactly yeah. the same thing, carbon yeah. copy. If yeah. they, oh, if it's Valor- the same, yeah. no one will have a, no one will have a reason to play Valorant anymore. I didn't realize. I mean, it's bright Valorant colors. Would... Yeah, yeah. Well, so I think there needs to be a distinction here because there are certain games that are like hero shooters, like Valorant, mm-hmm. Overwatch, yeah. 
yeah, paladins. Yeah. Um, this is the most press paladins has ever got, anyway. Do you work for pal? Do you work for paladins? Uh, I, I think he does. I think if he unsubscribes hoodie right from... now, it will be yeah. like a paladins logo on it. If you want a, a sponsorship deal, paladins, come talk to me. That's all I'm saying. But um, yeah. So do you really see? Because CS:GO, you don't really get that personality, like with play. Yeah. And I yes. think that's kind of what Jasmine's. As much as she's like, look, make it look pretty. It is the personality that CS:GO struggles with. Maybe people yeah, just want I think, something stripped back. Um, I think mm. that's the thing. Is that um it with csgo why it's so popular especially as a competitive game is that it strips it down to the bare essentials of just being good at aiming and then there aren't really these other like gameplay mechanics that you have to consider like heroes abilities like different like strategies and stuff it's literally stripped down to the bare basics of can you aim yes you'll be good at this game can you aim no don't play this game that's it so it makes it such a good environment for people that have this skill that they want to show off because they, there isn't much like outplay potential for people that are of lower lower like skill skill caps i think so like that's one thing that annoys me about csgo is that i i'm not very good at aiming so i can't play it very well so um yeah but we have just got a few chats here that have mentioned that skyrift has just watched all the videos when scott mentioned it it's the exact same except updated mechanics Ah, interesting. And then, and then Skyrifters obviously got another great opinion uh, in the YouTube comments there. Paladins <laughs> needed more recognition. Loved Androxus. Skyrifter yeah. is actually Aaron on an alternative account. Yeah. yeah. How, how <laughs> are we doing it? How am I Whoa. doing it? Paladins has been around since 2018, and Valorant only came mm -hmm. 2020. I didn't realize that Valorant was still so new. I feel like it's yeah. The way yeah. It came talk during about lockdown. It. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's um, because Valorant um, is from Riot Games, which is obviously League of Legends, and League of Legends has been around since like 2009. So when people talk about Riot well, Games, you think it's old. No, Hearthstone is Blizzard. Blizzard. Yeah. yeah. I always yeah. get those two confused. So, um, but they did. Well. They they did make a um, Riot Games no, did make a, a Hearthstone copy called yeah, Legends of called? Rune Terror. Yes. Legends oh. of Runeterra. It's exactly the same as Hearthstone, but it's got champions in it from League of Legends. Yeah. Riot Games, it's notorious. Aren't Dota 2 and League of Legends also yeah. very close? Yeah, well. they're like basically the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And um, um, I'm an avid Riot Games stan, I'll admit. I love Riot Games. I play all of the games. I love them all. But n none, of it is, none of it is original. None of, none of it is original. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but thank you everyone for for watching and putting your comments in. If you've got any uh, thoughts on what we what we're talking about, please let us know and we'll we'll debate them. Uh, I think we've got one final. I know we've talked. We've talked. We, we've already been going for one hour twenty nine minutes, but I really want to touch on this one last topic as well because I'm really keen to get your thoughts on it, and it might be a mm -hmm. bit old for for next week as well. But Ubisoft have announced a ghost writer tool, uh, which has generated a lot of. Um, backlash uh, on the on the old internet um so uh ubisoft ghostwriter will be used to generate the first draft of the chatter of crowds and triggered npc lines um at game developers conference yesterday ubisoft laforge researcher ben swanson uh, gave a bit of a breakdown of how the tool works uh, which i'll go through in different bits uh, so they they use this ai ghostwriter to generate lines based on how npcs should be motivated uh, they generate large amount of lines for crowd life. Um, large crowds in of NPCs in urban environments. When players walk through the grounds, they generally hear snippets of fake conversations. So uh, this ghostwriter can can create these conversations on the fly. Um, they can also create dialogue for double acts. Uh, double acts, sorry, uh, quick snippets between the player and companion NPCs. And finally, uh, the biggest use is to rapidly paraphrase barks, which they call it in video games. 
so that when a writer needs to create 10 versions of a line like I'm reloading, for example, they don't have to creatively struggle after they've ripped through the first iterations of them. Um, so they can just rephrase things constantly uh, on that as well. Uh, <clears throat> Sony Santa Monica writer Alana Pierce wrote on Twitter, as a writer, having to edit AI-generated scripts and dialogue sounds far more time-consuming than just writing my own temp lines. I would far prefer AA, AAA Studios use whatever budget it costs to make tools like this uh, to instead hire more writers. So do we think that this will take away work for writers or do you think it will help them? How, how, do, we see, how do we see this going? Um, I could see this being helpful, but the one thing that I am so confused about is the biggest use for the tool was to create barks yeah. Because these writers can't think of ten different ways to say I'm reloading. Well, I How will you become a writer? <laughs> I suppose it's the time, isn't it? If you factor Changing in mag. how many writers have to, <laughs> yeah. If there you, you go. In... Aaron's thought of one already. How long was that? <laughs> Five seconds. Well, yeah, easy only peasy. Eight more. <laughs> yeah, easy peasy. Um, yeah, I think it's just about the t- the time, isn't it? Uh, the, the the writers can not worry about these little snippets of di- sorry of dialogue that are mm-hmm. that are not as important and then focus on the the real you know dialogue dialogue rich between the actual Mm -hmm. the actual character and other main characters right there is two ways of looking at this one is ai is coming for your job if you're a writer yeah like this if i was a writer on a video game i'd be very scared of what imagine if you're just a writer at a press site (laughs) i mean imagine i I did sound a video game (laughs) just to paraphrase that um but yeah i mean you can look at it that way but you can also look at it from a point of like this will this will make my job easier because I don't have to worry about these little silly things that were taking me so much time and I can actually focus on the big stuff. But I think if this is the point that you're making is that it will save people time, eventually saving people time ends up being people having less hours at work, ends up being people getting laid off, ends up being a force of like five or six people be cut to like two because they can do the same thing as as five or six people because they now don't need to waste time writing i'm reloading 10 times in different ways like uh, what i will say i don't know though is, is that with the bark Sorry, stuff specifically which seems to be the main use of this so far is that i know that that sort of stuff is usually outsourced to like freelance narrative writers and basically like i think when people say narrative designer or or writers for video games people have this glamorous idea in 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 their head that it's kind of like you know here's a whiteboard of ideas i'm writing out scripts and stuff usually because there's so much line so many lines of dialogue that you need to get uh, into the game it is just literally an excel spreadsheet of like we we do need 10 lines said this way and everything like that Mm -hmm. and i guess while i can see the benefit of using uh, it for bark specifically in terms of like because you we've we've all had it there are certain games where you're you're exploring an open world like how many times is this guy gonna say hello stranger or something like yeah, that yeah um mm-hmm. i can see the appeal there but it's not never to the extent where i'm like this has ruined the whole game for me now oh my god like this guy yeah. says the same thing five times every time i click on him five times um because i agree with jasmine i think this is this is purely about cutting costs and cutting mm-hmm. a t- talent where possible and uh, I think all three of us on this podcast are biased to a certain extent because writing is our profession, writing is our living. Um, mm-hmm. So any way you cut it, any way Ubisoft wants to cut it, I, I'm not really a fan. And and to Alana's point, like even though you're replacing it to a certain extent, that still needs to be edited by people. Yeah, so that's exactly much what work, I was going to say. How much yeah. work are you saving? Like, yeah, yeah, very strange. 
Yeah, it seems like AI, uh, obviously we chat GPT-4 and Google have got Bard and Microsoft, they've got their own, I forgot what Microsoft's called, but they're, they're putting it into Microsoft uh, 365, aren't they? Office and you know, mm-hmm. Excel and yeah, the, the yeah. way that that kind of um, AI machine learning language model tool is being worked. I think it's kind of a buzzword at the moment and everyone's kind of jumping on that. And it might be one of those, but uh, we've got a push square in the comments saying UB being UB. Um, yeah, yeah, I think we know all what know what that means. Um, also, push square says supposedly writing these barks can be great entry level jobs for writers, so it might take away entry positions for new writers. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's another good point as well. Uh, Skyrifter writers will need to curve towards understanding AI prompts. I don't see writers going anywhere, just having to add another skill to the pool. And then with a trophy emoji. So we've got loads of different opinions in the comments. But I think really um, on that point, if it's um, writers understanding AI prompts and using AI as part of their day-to-day job, and even if it does come down to, okay, it takes just as much time to edit something as it as it does to actually write that same thing, then it does sort of make the job easier. Editing is a bit easier than it is like writing a whole thing from scratch if, you're, if you don't have a prompt or something. I disagree. But, um, do you I think? hate editing people's work or my own. I work. love editing. Like, I'd much rather a blank canvas and then like go. This is new because otherwise mm. it's kind okay, of okay. Maybe that's down like... to opinion then. Yeah, maybe it is. But yeah. like, I, the last thing I'd want. Oh my god, my nightmare would be an AI has written this article. Edit it so it makes sense. I'm like, <laughs> but I could have just done this for you anyway. Yeah. Like specifically in the in the art world, I know like graphic design friends or whatever, and everybody mm-hmm. is taking the mick out of like all this AI generated art is brilliant, except they can't get the human hands right. So I'm wondering, like, yeah. what is the the hands always come out funny? And I'm kind of wondering, what is the editorial equivalent of the human hands on the writing side of things? Yeah, I, I think the 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 um, AI art model that you talked about, I think they've actually fixed the hands now, yeah, which is they have. quite scary. Um, yeah, and I also um, listened to a show um, over the weekend where they talked about how chat gpt there's a version of chat gpt that isn't actually available publicly right now but they were doing some internal testing on it and uh it got do you know those websites where you can hire people to do certain tasks like um you know like fiverr draw a picture or yeah exactly fiverr um this language model hired someone to fill a capture in what so they could get past uh a the certain... ai did that no, no way. Yep. The AI knew that they had to go to this website to, to hire someone to, to solve a capture because it, know, it knew that it couldn't see the capture. Pull the plug. That's really Pull the scary. plug now, everyone. That's really so, scary. That, Skynet's the, coming. That's so scary. So, what the yeah, hell? I think the, the way ChatGPT, like, obviously it's not come from nowhere because it's, it's been like in the pipeline, but it does feel like that from... from from just looking outside it feels like it's come from nowhere and now all of a sudden it's in everywhere um i think it'll be interesting to see where this goes in games i think you can definitely see like you said aaron when you're in a big game like gta for example and you're walking into a crowd of people it would be really really nice from the players from the player's perspective to hear different things every time because that that would make the game you know far more interesting more believable more believable more immersive all that kind of stuff um but we do have to obviously also look at the other side of it as well, and there will be, there will be, uh, there will be people that lose their jobs because the AI takes their 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 writer's job or whatever as well. So mm-hmm. it'll be really interesting to see where it goes. But we, Aaron, have you got? Uh, I mean, so we could the, talk about this for ages. Yeah, we got to start wrapping up, I guess. But the last thing I'll say about this is that specifically with the bark example, 
it doesn't sound like where it's at at the moment, at least in the Ubisoft case, is like, okay, you've got 10 bars you need to fill in. An AI can do it like that, whereas a writer would probably spend, I don't know, half an hour, an hour or something, if I'm being generous. So the end result is still the same. Whereas I would imagine that the ultimate goal for this AI uh, writing integration in something like an open world game is that it generates it by itself using certain parameters so that you don't yeah. have 10 specific things it can say, but potentially like infinite. And, and I wonder like what will be the first game to implement this? And then will we ever get a case of where some an NPC says something in a game that wasn't planned? That might be, mm. I don't know, cause a stir. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think don't what... start saying that. That's scaring me now. <laughs> what, what well, you I think to an saying... NPC and it starts leaking secrets about yeah. the dev company or something. Or, or starts asking like... to be freed. Yeah, well. Well, I think the <laughs> reason why it caused so much controversy when Ubisoft announced this Ghostwriter tool is because the way it was framed originally, and I don't think it was explained very much, or maybe maybe some people misinterpreted it, but it was Ubisoft is using AI to... Uh, to develop games, mm-hmm. and I think that's quite that's quite a leap between yeah. what we've just spoken about yeah. and yeah. what's being implemented into the game, um, and I think that's quite way off. Um, that's clickbait in, that is, in isn't the future. It? Yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I mean, we we went through it in detail, and it's definitely not that. But how far are we away from that? Is Ubisoft the interesting point? You should be making. Imagine too far. Don't worry about Ghost Writer. Where's Ghost Recon? Like that's there's only one ghost you should be worried about. That's all I'm saying. Amen to that, Aaron. Um, <laughs> thank you so much uh, for joining me both today, Jasmine. Uh, Aaron, it's been great to spend this uh, hour and forty minutes with you. We've gone through a lot of topics today. We've gone through breaking news. We've had some great debates. So thank you very much for spending the time with me. Uh, and yes, uh, R.I.P. to the Wii and 3DS store. Uh, because by the time we do the walkthrough next week, it will no longer be available, which is sad to see. Uh, is it Jasmine's rain? about to get rained on, yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. I've got a skylight above me, um, and I was just checking if it was open, because it's really loud rain. Yeah. That is freaking me out. Can you guys hear it? Yeah, yeah. you can hear it. Really? And I'm sure everyone who's, chat, who's in the uh, in Sorry, the guys. Here, I'm so awesome. sorry, guys. I'm sorry sure the AI listening like in on this conversation can hear it as well. <laughs> oh, God, don't say that. <laughs> AI, uh, make it stop raining. <laughs> uh, thank you both for uh, for joining us. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much to everyone who watched on Facebook and, uh, and YouTube as well. We really appreciate you spending all this time with us. And thank you so much for everyone uh, for your comments. If you enjoyed the, the show, please like and subscribe. And uh, press that bell button so when we go live next time, you'll get a notification. Uh, you can catch Aaron tomorrow live in the playthrough. We'll be playing the Resident Evil 4 remake. So please tune into that if you're interested in that at 11 a.m. GMT. 11, is that correct? 11 a.m. And I believe the plan is to run all day until 5 as long as Yeah, until you run out of steam. Uh, won't be yeah, finishing absolutely. the game at that time but well, you never know <laughs> yeah but please tune into that if you're interested uh, but for, for us at the walkthrough we'll see you next Wednesday at 4pm the usual time where we'll be uh, talking about the latest gaming news but for now uh, for this week thank you very much for joining and uh, have a good week we'll see you next week bye bye